Happy New Year's. Happy New Year's. How are you guys doing? Good? Well, we're starting the year off with going over our vision and our values again. And I know we just did that back in, was it May, right? We had the vision May and all of that kind of stuff. We are going to be talking about that at least once a year, if not twice a year, or actually in all of our sermons. You know, I get together the preaching team, all of our pastors that preach every week and, you know, in, in the different times we take Rob McWilliams, Scott Sunaoka, Frank Kabakunga, and Tom Landes, all, the, all of our different pastors, we get together about once a week. And one of the things I said is, is for us to be a church that's driven and to know what we're all about, to know what God has called us to do, in every one of our sermons, we got to be covering the four main values that our church stands for. In some way, in some possible way, we work it in, we want to know who we are and where we're going. Because did you know that this year makes 30 years of Hope Chapel in Hawaii? Did you guys know that? 30 years we've been here. Isn't that cool? That's, that's fun. We're going to celebrate later on in the year. We've got a big thing planned and everything. But we've been a church for 30 years here in Hawaii. And because of us, we've planted other churches on the island, in the state, in the nation, and actually around the world. There's probably well over 1,000 churches that have come out of us since being here in the past 30 years all around the world and all the continents and everything. And so there's a lot to be excited about and a lot to be stoked about that God has been doing in our midst. But at the same time, when organizations and churches grow old, sometimes they get shallow. They water down. They do such a job of, of reaching out all around, and they do a lot of really good things. And we want to be a church that is reminded of where we started, where we came from, what it's all about, why we do what we do. We want to stay focused. We want to stay on point to what God has called us to do. And so that's why we kind of put together this, this vision that says this is all of who we are and God made us and called us to, but let's make it small and succinct and tight, and let's do something that we can remember. And so we came up with four values that drive our church. And for me to share them with you this morning is just because I want you to be reminded of who we are, what we're all about, because no one signs up for anything if you don't really know what it is you're signing up for, right? Hopefully you don't do that. Hopefully you don't sign up to you know, some, some organization and you're saying, yeah, it sounds good, and you just jump right in and then you're wait, wait a minute, I don't agree with this kind of stuff. I want you guys to really know and to own what it is and to be reminded why Hope Chapel Kaneohe Bay exists and what we do. So if you guys remember back in May, we passed out those uh, wristbands. Do you guys remember? Anybody still got that original gray wristband? We still got a few people in here. Well, guess what? We're updating it because we're trying to drive it home again. We're passing out new wristbands. And you guys might go, oh, I don't want the wristband. I don't know the thing, you know, whatever. Take one anyway. Our ushers are going to pass them out right now. Can we pass those wristbands out? We got new updated ones because gray wasn't the most attractive color. Um, but we got some new ones. We got some new colors going on. You're going to get a black one and, a, and with red today, which I think is pretty cool. But um, spoiler alert, we're actually giving you better colors next week too. So we're giving you guys a little bit of variety. But the whole reason is that we pass these things out is we want you to really know who you are and what your church is all about. But we're also hoping that you would kind of use it as a, 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 a starter point for the Great Commission is when you go out there and you're wearing it around town, people ask that there's a little kickstarter point for you to say this is my church this is what we're all about maybe you should come as well and hopefully it'll open up a conversation but otherwise we're just saying let's be a team and let's know what we're all about so we're talking about vision and values today if you take out your notes as you're getting your wristband um, you take out your notes we're looking at vision and values of our home we're going to be doing today and two more weeks on this and then of course at the end of the month you're going to be hearing from john bevere he's coming back so that's going to be exciting yeah. But um, the vision and values of our home, Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there's no vision, the people perish. 
Very simple thought. If, if you're just wandering around aimless, aimlessly in life and you love God, but you just don't know what's going on, then eventually you're just going to get confused and it's not really going to amount to a lot. Where there's no vision, the people perish. Um, the thing is, and we've said it before, is Hope Chapel Kaneohe Bay wants to be a church that is not just, we're 30 years old, we've done a lot of good, we have a lot of great ministry, there's a lot of good stuff going on in our church. We don't want to be that kind of church that's just doing a lot of good things. We want to make sure that we're doing the God things. Amen? That what the stuff that got, amen, you guys awake here, 7 a.m.? All right, I know it's early, and I got out of bed too, and I'm like, ah, but you know what? We came because we're here to meet with God, Yeah. God's going to speak to us. This is our church, guys. This isn't, oh, Pastor Carl, give me your, your sales pitch. This ain't about that. You guys are here. That means you're a part of the body. You're a part of the vision. You're a part of what God is doing in this church family to reach out to the whole wide world. So we, we got to be ready. We got to be excited, okay? So here's the deal. We want to stick with the God ideas, not the good ideas. We want to have vision to go, but only to go where God is leading us, not to go just because it seems like it's nice and it's a Christian thing to do. We want to be all about what God is telling us. Again, um, nothing more than the vision and values is we're simply focusing what we know is good, and we're going to stick to that. Remember the, the quote I gave before? Some of you guys remember Bruce Lee's famous quote? Anybody in here a fan of Bruce Lee? Right? He's like, what's all You know, all that. Um, anyways. Bruce Lee said, the successful warrior is the average man with laser-like focus, right? And in anything in our lives, we know, like when it comes to family, when it comes to our jobs, when it comes to our finances, you can just kind of hopefully wing it and kind of go through the motions, or you can say, no, you know what? I want something good and big to happen, so I'm going to focus all my attention on this thing. And us as a church and as a ministry, it's simply going, yeah, we're good and we're all of this, but God, what is the exact few things that you want us to be? We're Hope Chapel. These are the vision and values of our home. Now, this is our home church. We're going to do it differently from Dave Barr over at New Hope Windward. We're going to do it differently than, than Dan Chen does it at First Pres. We're going to be doing it differently than all the other churches in the area. Different, not better, not worse, just different because this is our focus. This is our home. Praise God for all of our brothers and sisters and all the other churches in the kingdom of God that we are reaching the windward side. We are reaching Oahu. We are reaching Hawaii. We are the most Christianized state per capita, right, in the nation. That the, the rate of Christians, people becoming Christians is higher and faster than the actual population rate right now. That's something to be said for our state. But praise God for all the churches, right? But you know what? Here's today, we're talking about our home because God has called Hope Chapel to be someone different and set apart and passionate about what we believe in. And so this is the vision and values that we're going to have this kind of a focus for our house. So before we get into the vision for our church, we would be kind of messing up if we were to skip the vision that Jesus has for his church. Amen? Because Jesus has a vision for his church, his bride, the ones that he gave his life for, the overall universal church of Jesus Christ. We better make sure that our church's vision is lined up with his vision. Here's Jesus' vision for the church um, in a nutshell. Jesus spoke many words. The Old Testament prophesied all about the Messiah, the coming of Jesus. Jesus came on the scene in the Gospels. He taught us. He modeled for us what love is all about. He modeled us like here is what the Father wants for us to know. And then after he went back to heaven, Paul and many of the people, the New Testament writers, all talked about what Jesus said. So if we're all about Jesus here and our foundation is Jesus, we not need to know his vision for the church. And I believe it's summarized in two important concepts, two important passages in scripture. Really, everything that he taught and what Christianity is all about is in this. The first one is Matthew twenty-two thirty-six, 36, where someone came up to him 
and actually said this, Jesus, you're a great teacher, and, and I believe that you've got a lot of wisdom, and you could be the son of God, you know, whatever it doesn't say, but it says, the guy came and said, what is the greatest commandment? What's the greatest thing that you're teaching all this? What's the main thing you want us to know? And Jesus said this, if you guys remember, he goes, number one, most important thing, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, everything, love God. And then he said this in the same breath, the second thing that's, that's also most important, because there's two things, there's a second thing that is equally important, okay? Some of us forget this. We think there's one and then there's two. But Jesus actually said equally important is this, love your neighbor as yourself. So here's Jesus when asked, hey, summarize, Jesus, everything that you stand for, what should we be doing? He said this, love God and love other people. That's everything I want you to do, summarize. All of the law, all the prophets, the whole entire Bible, everything is summed up in this command. Love God and love others, right? So we're going, okay, there's Jesus' vision for the church. We're supposed to all be about love and relationships, loving God, loving other people. Here's the second most important thing Jesus taught. It's in Matthew 28, 18 to 20. This is called the Great Commission. This is the great last words, famous last words of Jesus before he ascended back up to heaven to be with the Father. And he goes, hey, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm getting the place ready for you when you come here one day. But the Holy Spirit's in all of you right now. He's empowered you. He's empowered you to do something. Remember what I talked about before, love God and love others, but now he gives us this commandment. And Jesus, it says this in, in Matthew 28, 18. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I've given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Basically what he's saying here is number one, love God and love others, and number two, go out there and make it happen. Go out there and tell other people to do the same. And we've been given a job, and his vision for us, the church, for Christians, is make God famous, go love on other people, and go introduce all the people in the world to this loving Father God that would love them as well, right? So that's the summary, and he said this, make disciples of all the nations, not make converts. And this is the thing that I gotta uh, stress in our churches. We don't wanna just fill seats. We don't wanna just introduce people to God and Christianity in a way that's like, oh, that's nice and that's neat and we all kinda get together once in a while. We're simply out to make disciples of Jesus Christ, nothing less than that, that followers of Jesus Christ because he didn't just say like, oh, go introduce people to me. He said, introduce them to becoming followers of me to becoming people who are sold out, continue to teach them, continue to grow them up, and then make people that produce other disciples. And so that's what we're all about is we wanna be a church that is building disciples and not converts. And I believe that through scripture what we read is that the local church, this is Jesus had this in mind, is that the local church is the greatest tool for equipping people to do the vision that, that Jesus asked us to do. Because the local church's job is to bring everybody together to organize them, to equip them, to bring them to Jesus and to empower them to be sent out and to go touch other people in the world. Now, some people would argue and say, no, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. True, but I think to get the fullness of the Christian experience, what Jesus is really saying is, you need each other, you need to be together, and there's strength in numbers. And when we get together and we build up the church together and we bring in more people together, we do a whole lot better job together than as individuals. And so I believe that the local church is God's tool. And that means we do our job, the church on the street does their job, the church in the next neighborhood does their job. All of the local churches are gathering people and empowering them. And so we wanna be this kind of a church that does this. We wanna be about relationships, we wanna be about really giving people God. We don't wanna just be a social club. 
I'm gonna tell you right now that Hope Chapel Kanyoi Bay's focus is not that we would be the best church and that we would want everybody to love our church. We wanna be a tool that teaches people to love Jesus. That right here, what's on stage, J-E-S-U-S, that's all that we stand for, that's what we stand for, right? And us as a church and our four values and everything is just, we understand we're just a tool to make this one happen. That's what's most important here in life. And so we wanna be all about that. So we came up with this vision statement and you guys may have seen it around, but if you're newer to the church, here's just to remind you, this is what Hope Chapel Kanyoibe is all about. Giving people the very best life possible by connecting them to God and to God's family and then equipping them to be involved with what he's doing in the world. And so in our four values, you're gonna see that that's our deal is we wanna know Jesus' vision for the church and we want to be that the vision of our own church as well. We can do all of the good stuff that seems like that's good, that's what churches do, or we can stick to the God ideas. Here's an Italian proverb that I found recently. An Italian proverb, I found it online, it says this, often he who does too much does too little. I don't want our church to be a church that just does a lot of stuff and all it is is, is real shallow. You guys understand what I'm trying to say by that is we gotta stay focused, we gotta know our vision because I, I believe that, here's the model that Jesus said. When I had a few guys, 12 guys, that I really raised up in health and in strength, they changed the whole entire world, right? Jesus did that. And sure, they made mistakes along the way and that's why he has his grace and all of that, but what we're after here isn't just a church that does a lot of really cool stuff and impresses people. We wanna be a church that is focused on health, not just on growth, not just on filling seats. Because here's what we know, if we focus on building healthy Christians, healthy Christians are contagious all into themselves and they're gonna attract others and the Holy Spirit is gonna grow the church, amen? amen? So there's definitely a part of me that says, I wanna grow, I wanna be big, why? Because the Bible tells me that if I'm doing something right and I'm growing up healthy people, it's gonna grow and my whole goal is the Great Commission, I need to reach more people and make more Christians. So there's a part that's saying, yeah, we wanna focus on growth, but our main focus is on health. We wanna be a church that says, Jesus is lifted high, we're gonna invest in people, we're gonna build them up, we're gonna train them, release them, send them out into the world, and then you know what? The numbers are gonna come, the growth is gonna come because the Holy Spirit's gonna bless what we're doing. So we wanna make sure that we're all about health here at this church and not just about seeking out for growth. Because here's the two things, if you got your notes, we're gonna, I want you to take notes, here's the first two values. The first value that's on our wristband, that we live by, that we are driven by, the stuff that, that gives me passion, that excites me, that keeps me up at night, that causes me to tell all of our preaching pastors, you guys better include all four of these things every single time you open your mouth on stage in a Hope Chapel Kanye Bay service. These are the four things that really drive our church. First one, connect to God. We are a church that believes that the basis of any walk with Christ, the, the whole foundation of Christianity is you better be connected to God. That's great that you're connected to our church, but you need to be connected to God. Here's the main reason why. People out there in the world are lost and they're searching. Remind yourself of that every single day. You have a job to do. Your family, your friends are going to hell. And that sounds drastic, but that is the flat out truth, right? Before we knew Jesus Christ, our lives were hopeless. We were in the darkness. Here's the problem. People are out there living in the darkness. They don't even understand that they're in the darkness because they've never seen real light. Your job, my job, is to connect people to God so that we can turn the light on in their lives, amen? amen. That there is, a, there is a world out there that's in the darkness. It says this in scripture, Isaiah 60, verse two. Darkness as black as night covers all the nations of the earth, but the glory of the Lord rises and appears over you. Colossians 1.13 says, for he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. 
People don't understand, but the Bible tells us clearly in the Old Testament and the New Testament, this world is covered in darkness, meaning people just don't know. They're stumbling around. They don't have real purpose. They don't have real meaning in life because no one has turned the light on for them. And that's gotta be our job. We need to connect people to, job, to, to God. We need to flip the light on because they're out there in the dark. Imagine if you grew up in a house and you never went outside. And no matter what kind of light you could shine in the house, fluorescent lights, the, the CFLs, the old school light bulbs, the whatever type of light you've ever seen, it would be really great and it'd be really cool and you're used to it, but it would be nothing until the day that you open up that door and you went outside and you're like, oh my gosh, and you saw the sun. And the brightness and the overwhelming just radiance of the sun, the fact that the human eye, right, what do they always tell us? Don't look at the sun, you'll burn your retinas, right? It will actually cause damage if you look directly at the sun. It's so bright compared to anything you've ever known. And people are out there in the world thinking, you know what, my life is good enough. They're in the darkness, they don't even know it because no one has turned the light on in their lives. We need to make sure that people connect to God, the source of real light, amen? amen. My, my father-in-law, um, Glenn Kaulukakui, Kanani's dad, he came down to visit us again. And you know, I always tell stories about him because the guy inspires me. I get a lot of my life lessons and a lot of conviction when it comes to evangelism and reaching out to other people because of this 83-year-old 80, man. 83 years old, he's retired, he, just, he takes it slow, he moves in his own zone, but the guy leaks Jesus Christ. Everywhere he goes, he is basically preaching sermons to people. It doesn't matter if you're saved or not, he's gonna try to get you saved again, right? And so he was, he was catching the bus the other day and, and going around the island and sometimes he goes to visit friends to share the Lord with them and he's always just like, oh, it's hard. And like, oh, there's not so many of my friends left, you know? And it's like kind of sad, but he's on this mission. Whoever is still around, I'm gonna let them know about Jesus. They need to know. And so he sometimes just catches the bus to ride around the island and see who he can meet on the bus, literally, and talk to Jesus Christ about it. I'm just like, really? You know, he's just like, hey, I got nothing better to do and they need to know Jesus, amen. So he tells me this the other day, he was like, yeah, I was, a, I was at a bus stop and I was waiting and I forget where he was, but he said, this nice Hawaiian girl sat down next to me, a young girl, and I was just talking with her and I was like, oh yeah, cool. And he said, he just started making small talk and then he, you know, he's no shame. Small talk only lasts so long for him. Otherwise, he just comes right in with it, right? With the message, yeah, that's good. Do you know Jesus? Right, just comes at her. She's like, uh, well, you know, and she started explaining a little bit about her life and he's just, he's going, oh yeah, yeah. And here's, here's the thing. Glenn is on a mission to turn the light on in people's lives who are living in darkness, who don't understand that there's an actual brighter light that's out there. So he starts talking to her, you know Jesus, and it, oh well, you know, here's my life, and this and that, and I'm not really worthy, and all that. And Glenn just comes with it, and he just comes in, and he goes, you know what, Jesus loves you. There's a real God in heaven, that he died for all that stuff you're talking about. He has a, he thinks you're special. He thinks you're wonderful. He has plans for your life. He doesn't matter all, it doesn't matter to him all that stuff you've been through, all the places you've been. It's okay, God loves you. He has something for you. And he said, right there in the midst of all her, well, I'm this and I'm that, she started to cry. She started to just kind of tear up and go, whoa, and get a little bit uncomfortable. But here she is sitting on a bench talking to an 83-year-old man. Her life is being changed. Something is happening. Something is going on in her life. There's a little light switch. I would love to tell you that he led her to the Lord right there and she went away a new creation. And that doesn't always work out like that. You got five minutes on a bus stop somewhere. But what happened was he turned the light on in her life for a minute and hopefully a start of something good that happened simply because he realized the most important thing in anybody's life and in their eternity is you need to connect with God. 
and that we need to be people that would connect others with God because people are out there and they're in darkness. They need the hope that Jesus offers. See, we need to understand this. People are lost and searching, but write this one down. God is the solution. God is a solution to every problem that everyone is going through. The stuff I still deal with in my life, I still understand. God, it's only you. It's only you that can be the solution for everything that's going on in my life. People need to go know God. If we want to build a, a good church that is doing the right things and is living for God and is serving God, you and I need to make sure that we are first connected to God. Amen? Amen. We got to make sure that, that this church is all about connecting ourselves to God before we can give anything away. Here's this quote I read by this, this guy... Antoine de Saint-Exupéry. Anybody ever heard of that guy? One person, a couple people? That's cool. I never have. Maybe you guys can school me on him later. I've literally, I just, this is a really good quote. Who is this Antoine guy, right? I went to Wikipedia, and apparently he was like a famous aviator, right? He was a pilot, and there's, is that the same guy? Okay, anyways, see, I don't know. But here's what I love about this quote. Listen to this quote. Talking about we first need to be connected to the source before we can go and do anything. Just listen to this quote. It's cool. It says, if you want to build a ship, don't herd people together to collect wood and don't assign them tasks and work, but rather teach them to long for the endless immensity of the sea. Here's how I read it. If you want to build a good church, don't herd people together to force them to do ministry and good things for God, but rather Teach them to long for the endless immensity of the love of Father God. Isn't that good? See, before we can build a good church, we have to be a bunch of people that are just longing for the love of Jesus Christ, that are just longing for God and the truth and the light in our lives. And when we catch that and when we connect, then all the other values and all the stuff, the Great Commission, all of that, that's going to be minor. We're going to be inspired. But we got to understand the very first and most important thing is that we connect people to God. Um, Here's this verse in Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 in the message version. I love this one. Jesus talking to us. He puts it like this. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Then come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. The most important thing we need to understand is we need to connect with God. We need to connect other people to God. People are tired of living this life on their own, searching for answers on their own. Jesus brings hope. Jesus brings life. He brings purpose. And we got to understand that connecting to God is the most important thing. I, I was reading on Facebook the other day one of my friends in this church. I've known him for a while, and I've seen him struggle with drugs and alcohol and all of this for years of his life. And I know he's done time in jail and all of this. And he's a young guy in his early 20s. And um, I read this post that he had because I know that in the past year, he has fully turned his life around because of God. And he is, it's not like just a little high and then he's back into this stuff. It's been a long time and this is the most he's ever been, the longest he's ever been sober and on fire for God and he's absolutely on fire. So I read his post and I went, man, this is inspiring. He's starting a new year and all of this. And then I, I was gonna read this post in service and I decided, you know what would be better? Is, and let me check if he's coming to service. So he came to service Friday night and I said, would you be willing to read your personal testimony? Because it's way more powerful when you read what God's doing in your life than me reading it up on stage. So we, we had him come up on stage and read it on Friday night. And I, I have the video of it for you. Are, we guys, are you guys ready with the video back there? We're going to show you the, the video of my friend Brian as he just kind of reads his testimony. This is a life that got connected to God and this is the difference it can make. Can we go ahead and show that video right now? For Hello, I'm family and Brian Easterling, if you haven't met me. And uh, yeah, this is just my Facebook status, which I'm blessed to share with you folks. It goes like this. 
I'm wrapping up the first drug and alcohol-free season, holiday season in 15 years, and I'm currently building my longest period of consecutive sobriety since the age of 14. It feels fantastic. I think about how significantly my life has changed during the past year for me, and I just sit back and go, wow, God, you are good, really good. From the darkest, most trying period of my life, this hopeless, homeless, drug addict, jailbird sinner has been set free. I've been redeemed. The Lord has freed me from an active drug addiction, enslavement to myself, and he's given me a new attitude and outlook on my life. I don't re regret the past anymore, and I don't wish to shut the door on it. I can see how far I went down the scale, but I can also see how my experience can benefit others now. I'm becoming a more productive member of my society and my community. I'm able to take part in my family's life. I can set ex and exercise boundaries for myself. Self-seeking is slipping away. I am losing interest in myself and I am gaining interest in my fellows. I've ha I have the ability now to edify others instead of being forced to expedite in their self-destruction. This freedom of choice is a precious gift that I have. Where I hang out, who I hang out with, what I eat, what I wear, how I feel, what I spend my money on, and how I treat myself and others are decisions that I get to make for myself today. Drugs don't make that choice anymore. The enemy no longer makes that choice anymore and the enemy no longer dictates every aspect of my life. Amen. And this life I really enjoy. I enjoy it as I feel it was meant to be enjoyed. I love you all. Thank you so much for your unconditional love and support. I know I still have much to do, a lot of work to do, but I'm ready and willing to do whatever it takes to remain in his will. I'm very excited for this new year. All glory to God. Who knows what's around the corner? He does. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. There are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and hope, Jeremiah 29, 11. How's that, guys? Like that? This, this is why it's so important for us to just really get behind that first point, is we have to connect people to God, amen? This is a life that has changed. This is a life I've seen before my very eyes. And this is why we make such a big deal about connecting people to God. But here's what you gotta understand. For that kind of thing to happen, you know how it happens? It happens through us. Write this in your notes. We are the connection. You want people to get connected to God? You don't just sit back. We're not a church that's gonna sit back here in our holy huddle up on our hill and just pray and go, God, please bring people to our church. God, we hope that people would find you. You know what we realize and we understand is we are the connection. It's us getting out there into the world. It's someone from this church that went after Brian when Brian was a mess and said, dude, you need to come back to God. God is the answer. God is the light in your darkness. The way that people are gonna meet God is through God's people, amen? We got our job to do. It's not, it's not enough to get together with other Christians and just sit there and, and hide away from the world. We're supposed to be out there in the middle of this world and we gotta be intentional about connecting. Thomas Edison said this, vision without execution is hallucination. When you have a, a, a great idea and you're like, yeah, that's so good, I can't wait to you know, see that happen, and you do nothing about it, then you're just hallucinating. You're just dreaming, dream on, brother. You know, like, hope that happens for you someday. Fingers crossed, you know? It's that we have to step in there and say, you know what, God, you wanna connect with people and I would love to see lives turned upside down for your glory, and I'm gonna step out there and I'm gonna do something about it, amen? And we got to get to work, and we want to be a church that is constantly pushing our people and ourselves out of the comfort zone to go bring people into connection with Jesus Christ. So we're intentional around here. We're intentional about our Bible teaching, the way that I teach, the way that my dad teaches, the way that any of our, our pastors teach, is that we always want to be teaching to the level, if someone is coming in here 
and they don't have a relationship with God, that my goal is that somehow they would get connected to God. And so every sermon we preach is gonna take the truth and the glory and the majesty and the wonderful plan of Jesus Christ, and I'm gonna make sure that I keep it simple because people need to get simply connected to Jesus Christ, amen? And so people will come and they'll say, hey, you need to go more in depth on that, and I wanna hear the theological ramifications of blah, 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 blah. I'm like, that's cool, we'll, we'll set up a class for that. But when we preach a message to people that are coming and it's open to the public, I'm gonna make sure that I do what my dad always told me, keep it simple, stupid, right? Don't get overly complex. The message of Jesus Christ is meant for everyone. Make it easy for people to connect to God. So we're intentional around this church. Our Bible teaching is gonna be deep. It's gonna be Jesus, but it's gonna be simple because we want people to know Jesus Christ. We always wanna offer salvation at every one of our services. We wanna make sure we're, we're connecting people to God through communion. We're reminding ourselves of what Jesus did for us. We offer baptism, we offer baby dedication, we offer prayer, we do all of this. Everything we can do, we're trying to connect people to God. In our worship, we have different styles of, of worship in our different services, but we also have worship that is not from the 1800s or something. We have stuff that people are gonna relate to and go, that kinda sounds like the radio, I kinda dig this. This is, wow, this is good. We want it to make it easy and accessible for people to connect to God. So everything that we do is with the intent that we're trying to connect people to God. We gotta be intentional about it. And it's not just me, it's not just the church staff, it's you guys, the way we live our lives. We gotta always be thinking, I need to turn the light on in these people's life. They're sitting in darkness, they don't even know it. We gotta understand this. When it comes to Jesus and myself as a pastor and you guys as Christians, is we're not salespeople. Do you guys know that? I'm not a salesman as a pastor. I'm not trying to sell God. What we gotta understand is I'm a spokesperson. You're a spokesperson. That's one who speaks on behalf of God in other people's lives. That's where when I get up here, I'm not trying to sell anybody. All I'm saying is, you know what? God is good in my life. He could do this in your life, and I'm just telling you like it is. We're here to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ and explain it to people so they can understand it. The first and foremost thing in our lives is we need to connect people to God. Here's the second thing in our vision and values. The second thing is we need to connect people to God's family. That in scripture, it says we are called to be community. That Christianity is a team sport. That Christianity works best when we do it together, amen? amen? It's not enough for us to just go, well, I'm a Christian, I don't really need to go to church. And You know what, I feel sad for the people that show up to church, they get there like right on time or a few minutes late. Pastor Rob tells this example always. He grew up in the Catholic church and he said his whole deal was, I show up a few minutes late so I don't have to see anybody. I just sit there, listen to the deal, and I leave a few minutes early so I don't have to have any connection with anybody. Well, Jesus says, that is not the life that I have planned for you. That is not how you get the best out of life. If you wanna really experience what Christianity is all about, it's a family, it's a community. We need to live life together. You need to get involved in other people's lives because you can't do it on your own. It's tough, it's really hard. It says this, the original example in Acts 2.42 is all about a church that started off doing life together. You know that there's over 60 or 70 one another's and each other's in the Bible? It basically says we're supposed to live this, this life of faith out together and that we need each other. In fact, in the very beginning, remember this in Genesis, God actually created one of us. He created Adam and he goes, no, that's not good. It's not good for man to be alone. We gotta make someone else. People need to live life together. But in Acts 2.42, it says this, early church, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, communion, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers met together in one place, and they shared everything they had. They sold their property and their possessions, and they shared the money with those in need. 
They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God, enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Okay, here's a difference between Christians and other religions. We're supposed to look different because we hang out together, because we're in a community together, because we're a family. Do you know that the Jewish religion, Judaism at that time, looked so different? This is why these Christians stood out so much. Not because they were all about Jesus, that was part of it, but the other part of it was is that they were this community, they were this family, they were meeting each other's needs, they were caring for each other. We're not part of the same family, but we love each other like family. They stood out and people took notice of them. Because in the, the Jewish religion, the tradition of the day, it's like we go to the temple, we pray, we worship God, we do our sacrifice, we do our deal, and then we go our separate ways and we kind of live our lives and then we get together when it's time to worship. What was different about the Christians of the day is that you couldn't get them apart, you couldn't break them up, you couldn't get them away from each other. It says they met in the temple courts to pray and to worship, yeah, God, and they got all together, they're all excited, and then it says that they also went back into their homes, to their neighborhoods, and they hung out some more, they ate meals together, they worshiped God together, they praised God together, they prayed for one another, they it was this constant community that said, oh, this guy over there, he's got some problems, he, he needs something, he doesn't have the money, well, you know what, I got an extra donkey, I'm just gonna sell my donkey and give this guy the money, right? This is back in the day, right? They, they took care of the needs of one another, they lived as a community. Jesus said what's gonna set us apart to this world is that we're gonna look different because we care for each other, because we're actually a family. And if we want people to grow in the Lord and get the full experience, we want us to get the full experience of what God is after us, we gotta understand we need to be a family, we need to be a community. Jesus himself, the Son of God, didn't come to this earth to say, I'm the superhero, Lone Ranger, it's all me, I'm the one with all the powers and whatever, and everybody else, you're just mere human beings. Remember what Jesus did? He came down and he goes, where's my 12, where's my boys? Where's my posse, where's my crew? Let me hang out, because I need these guys as much as they need me. And he modeled to us the fact that we're supposed to have community. We're supposed to have people that we can share stuff with, that we can do life with, that we can meet each other's needs. We need one another. He actually commanded it in scripture in John 13, 34. He said, so now I am giving you a new commandment. Say commandment. Amen. The reason why that's a big deal is, anytime in scripture when Jesus says, here is a commandment. You and I better get notes ready, perk up our ears and go, oh, Jesus is giving us a commandment. That's a big deal. So when he says this, I'm giving you a new commandment, here's what, what he's saying. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. In fact, your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. That's an interesting thought right there. You know what that saying right there is? People are gonna notice you're a Christian, not necessarily by you preaching a sermon at them, or being super evangelistic and talking. He's actually saying, just in the way that you and I, in this room right here, Christians, we're family of God, the way that we love each other and care for one another is gonna prove to the rest of the world that we got something that's good and that they should want too. That means you don't even necessarily have to be the most outspoken guy and like, oh, I gotta go to my office and I gotta like pray over everybody and I gotta witness and I gotta read the word of God. You know what God is simply saying is, if you're loving one another in his family, right? then your friends that don't know Jesus are gonna say, who are those people you hang out with? Wait, you actually gave your car away to someone like that? Wait, how, how, come you, how come you meet like four times a week with these people and how come there's this going on? The way that we love each other is gonna prove to the rest of the world that we got something that they need to have, amen? And if we need to be doing that right because simply our actions, we're about community. This past New Year's Eve, I went to a New Year's Eve party in Kanyoi. How many of you guys know that Kanye really didn't obey the whole fireworks 
blah, you know. <laughs> it was the same as ever, right? We had smoke, we had bombs, we had aerials going out of people's backyards. I'm like, whoa, those are cool. Wait a minute, that's coming from like three houses over. What's going on, right? And so we, we had New Year's and stuff, and I was at my friend's backyard, and I was sitting there thinking, I'm like, man, they hoolied a pig, and we got all this food, always way more food than there is people, right? And so that's one of the beauties about uh, parties in Hawaii is you always go home with something, right? So I'm sitting there, and I'm enjoying the friends and the family and just loving these people that open their house and all that. And I just thought, one year ago, I didn't even know these people. Now here I am in their backyard enjoying their fellowship and their family with all of my friends. And where's Jake and Trina? We were there. We were just having the greatest time. I thought, one year ago, I didn't even know these people. And here's the beauty of God's family. One year ago, these people were just invited to church by other family members some friends of ours in the church. And because these people just said, hey, look at the way we've got this thing going on in our church and this is our God community, that this couple had interest. They're like, wow, who are all those people? Yeah, what's, what's that? And so they invited him into church and they invited him into God's family. And these people got immediately sucked in and their, their lives changed. They got counseling for stuff they were dealing with in their life. They got friendships that were just like, wow, these people are real. They really do love us. They really care about us. They have our best interests in mind. They got jumped into a mini church and they've got just amazing experience with mini church. They're finding strength in their life. They're finding mini church, they're finding friends. It turns out that a few months ago, a bunch of them got so tight actually just within this first year, they all went on a family vacation to Disneyland together. They had like how many adults? Like 18 adults, 18 all together. They took a trip together with like three, four families. They went to Disneyland together. They're sharing their lives or vacation together. Um, they actually were able to get a house. They had been living in in-laws house and they'd been wanting to get a house. And because of the family of God coming together and resourcing and hooking people up, they have this house now that I was eating the, the food in the other night, right? That happens to be right across the street from our men's pastor, Pastor Lance, right? In the midst of it all. And I just thought, wow, in one year's time, there's an amazing example of God's family, God's community doing what they're supposed to do. And this family that was out there in darkness got brought into his glorious light and now they're part of this amazing community and I get to be a part of it. I get to go to, to, to their New Year's celebration and me and my wife are part of this family that's just loving on us and gives us all of this stuff. See, there's a reason why we need to be connected to God's family. I got friends out there that don't know Jesus Christ, and we all do, and we should have, right? God tells us to, to be a light to the world. But there's a big difference when, when I look at those friends and I look at the friends I have in God's family. And definitely hear my heart on this. I'm not judging those outside of the God's, God's family because God tells us, don't you dare judge them. They're not living by the same moral standards and the relationship with him that we are. So we're not called to judge them. We're called in turn to love them, right? We're called to love them into the family of God, show them there's a better way. We're never called to go into them. Hey, you're a sinner, you're this, you're that. No, that, that's for God to convict their heart and stuff. We're just called to love them into God's family. But there's an absolute difference and there's absolutely a value, a second value on our wristband for us connecting to God's family. When I hang out with my non-Christian friends and I tell them, hey, I'm going through a hard time, I went through some rough stuff, or I'm struggling, or I'm hurting, you know what I get from them is, oh, you should just go come out with us, come party. Like, oh, no, I don't think so. I don't know if that's the answer, right? Or they'll tell you this, like, oh, what happened? You got burned by someone, someone did something to you in your life? Yeah, yeah, I got, you know, some, something happened, I'm kind of bummed about it. You know what my non-Christian friends will tell me? Oh, here's how you go get them back. Here's the best way to get them back. And you know what, from their point of view, there's nothing wrong with that. They don't see that as wrong. Revenge is nothing wrong. They're just like, no, if someone wronged you, go wrong them back, make it even, right? And so you, this is the kind of the, the sympathy. I'll get sympathy and I'll get like, oh man, that's hard. I'm, you know what, my thoughts are with you. I'm like, 
Really? Thanks for, thanks for thinking of me while I'm hurting over here. And there's a big difference between friends in the world and those that don't know Jesus Christ versus when I go to my friends from mini church or from church and I'm hurting and I'm going through whatever, hey, someone wronged me and they're going, yeah, you know what? Here's what the word says about forgiveness. And you know what? Your life will be so much better because when you, when you have unforgiveness, it's like you, know, wish, you drinking poison and wishing that they would die. Let go of that unforgiveness. God wants to heal you. Here, Carl, here's this. And, and I go to my friends and I'm hurting. And you know what they give me? They give me prayer. Hey, I don't got much to give you, but I can pray for you. And I know that the God in heaven that I know and that you know, he's gonna get to work on your life and something's gonna change. See, I'd way rather have prayers than good thoughts, amen? Like, hey, I'm, I'm, my thoughts are with you. Well, thanks, that does me a lot of good, you know? And that and 50 cents can buy me a candy bar. Thanks a lot, right? But when my godly friends come to me, God's family, and they say, I'm, I'm praying for you, I got your back. I'm gonna ask the God of heaven to do something in your life. Not only that, the words that come out of their mouth when I'm going through something, godly wisdom that the Holy Spirit gives them to speak into my life, and I'm just like, man, what a blessing. We all need to remember, it's so important for us to connect to God's family. Yes, we should be a light in the world, but we gotta make sure that we're, we're called to be family. I don't want anybody in this church to ever feel like they're merely a church attender. That's one of those things that just kinda grates on me. They're like, we're not doing our job right. If people feel like, yeah, I'm an attender at that church, I want people to be able to say, no, I'm a member. I'm a member of that church family. It's always um, weird to me, sometimes people will come to me and they're like, hey, uh, Pastor Carl, we, we've been coming to your church a while, it's pretty cool. We really like how your church does this and we really get blessed by your messages at your church and blah, 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 your church, your church, your church. And what I always correct them is like, wait a minute, you're coming here, you're in our family, this isn't my church, this is our church. This is your church. You're part of this family. God says that Christians are supposed to act like family and supposed to act like community to one another. That's why I made such a big deal about you guys are sitting 18 miles apart here this morning in service. Let's get together. Let's learn to be a family because you don't know the kind of bonding and relationships that God may be trying to do in your life right now simply by sitting next to people, talking to them, hanging out for 15 more minutes in the courtyard, having a coffee and building connections that are gonna last for eternity. Some of my best and longest friends in my life, the kind of people that I know, no matter how far apart I am and how long I don't see them, that if we get together, I know that they have my back no matter what happens and I have their back. Some of those deepest friends are people that I've met in church and in mini church and I know that they're God's family so we're linked together. I saw a friend of mine the other day, I was at Lanikai Beach, I hadn't seen him in several years. And I was walking on the beach and I just saw him and I instantly knew and instantly comes back the nicknames and all the memories and the floods and I'm like, noodles! And everyone on the beach is like, Noodles? That's weird. Would someone name their kid Noodles, right? And it's a nickname, right? His parents didn't name him that. That would be terrible. But he's like, hey, Captain. And so he came over, and I'm just like, wow, I haven't seen this guy in forever. And instantly comes back the camaraderie, the love, that we got each other's backs. How are you doing? Life is good and all of this. And you know what that comes from? We're connected eternally because we're family of God. Because of the many church relationships that I've had forever with these people, I know that there's something that's special and that we need to remember. We need to live in that. We're part of an amazing family of God, amazing community. We're not supposed to be different from the world over here by ourselves. We're supposed to be different from the world and inviting the world to the party, amen? That we want everybody to be connected to God. That's why it's such a major value for us. In fact, Ephesians 2.19 says we're members of God's family. We're not just friends out there anymore, but I know that there's a big difference in connecting with God's family and my Christian friends, and I need to make sure that that's going on in my life. And for us, I hope Chapel Kaniwe Bay, this is what we need to know. Mini church, this concept of mini church, is our greatest tool for connecting people to God's family. 
It's not the only tool. There's a lot of ways you can get involved and make friends with people. But what we have found is what has built this church, what makes this church a big church that feels like a small church, right? That's what I always say is we want to have a really big small church. We want to have the feel of a small church that you know people, that you're like on Cheers. When you walk into Cheers, the bar, right? Everybody goes, hey, Norm. You guys remember that show? Anybody back in the day? Cheers where everybody knows your name, right? We want Hope Chapel to be like that, a really big, small church, that it's a family, that you can say, well, I heard there's over 2,000 people that come on the weekends. Yeah, it's big, but you know what? There's some great people in there, and I know them, and they know my name, and when I walk in that door, people know me, right? People can say I'm a part of that family, because here's what what you need to know about mini churches. People say, I don't need mini church. I, I got enough friends. I don't need what other people have. Well, somewhere along the line, I learned this. God told me, Carl, it's not just about those friends and what they can do for you, but when you show up, you can speak in other people's lives. Do you guys know that in here? I don't care who you are. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a Christian for a long time. In fact, you could be someone that says, but I'm full of flaws and I've got all these problems and I got all this baggage. And yet you coming there is gonna minister to that other person that's like you that has those kind of flaws and baggage too and needs to know that there's someone there that has been through the life that they've lived and yet they've found hope in Jesus Christ. So don't think that many churches just for you to be blessed, that's gonna happen. But God's actually saying, when you show up and you get involved in other people's lives, you're gonna be a blessing to other people. But we need to make sure that we're connected to God's family. It's one of our, our biggest deals. And this is what I know about getting involved in God's fam- family. Building new relationships is awkward. Going to a mini church is awkward. Getting involved, you know, we always, here's what I always think. The Connect Center that we have out there, the mini church boards, I think it's a great idea, but here's the problem. If you're brand new to this church, think about this. How scary is it for you to go over to a board of people you don't know, grab one of their cards, and go, I have to call this number, right, who I don't know, drive to their house, hopefully I find the house right and everything, knock on the door, show up and go into their living room, I don't know any of these people, sit there and expect it to be, hey, welcome to the family, right? That's scary. Then it's a good tool that we have, but you know what the best tool is? It's when me and you find the people that aren't connected and we connect them and we invite them into our house and into our life and we are the ones doing the calling, amen? Do you know that Pastor Tom does an incredible job with his connect team out there, but that's not the half of it. That's not barely scratching the surface. I believe that the whole church is a connect team. I believe that every single one of us, if we want to reach the world, we can't leave it up to Pastor Tom to catch all the new people. We have to say, I don't want you to feel so awkward to go to the mini church board and to do all that stuff. I want to personally invite you into my mini church, into my world, because you need to get connected. Because it's hard, it's awkward. Any new relationship is awkward, right? You guys remember when you first met your spouse? Anybody, can you remember back that far? Right? No, you guys, this, you forgot all of that, right? I remember when I first met my wife, and it was like in high school, and she was actually calling me on the phone. I'm like, I, I met this chick before. Wow, she's calling me. She wants to come to my mini church. I was like, oh, cool. And she, hey, how's it going? Yeah, Carl, yeah. Hey, does um, you meet on Wednesday nights mini church? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm all excited, right? She's calling me. Yeah, does um, so-and-so still go to your mini church? Oh, who's that? Oh, this cute guy that she was after, right? She wasn't even calling me for me. She was basically just, hey, does that guy go to your mini church? Because I want to go to that mini church, right? But thank God along the line, I won her over with my charm and my good looks and <laughs> made it happen, right? But always, just remember the very stages of any relationship you're in. It's awkward, it's weird, right? Those people that I said I was eating at their house the other night and I was loving them, I can remember a year ago, we invited them to the beach and we didn't even know how to talk to them. You guys remember that day we went jet skiing and everything? And it was just kind of like, oh, there's these guys. And I'm like, hey, uh, 
Want some chips? You know, it's like, what do you say? It's awkward. And yes, guys, of course it is awkward getting plugged into any new relationship. But you know what? It's so worth it. It's so worth it that I passed the chips and we became friends and I'm friends with those people. It's so worth it that I was awkward on the phone with my, my wife way back then when we barely knew each other because look at the life I have with her now. It's so worth it that when you first went to mini church, you were awkward and felt kind of weird, but it's so good to be in the family of God, amen? And so here's what I wanna say. Get over the awkwardness and get plugged in. And what I also wanna say is, Remember that there's other people that are new and they're feeling awkward and we have to overcome that because we need to invite them in because what we see as a value is all the one another's that Jesus talked about in scripture is we need each other. We need to be connected to God's family. We need to get in there and connect. Has this been a good word so far? Two things that are in our vision, no matter what, we bleed this, we breathe it, we are driven by this. People need to be connected to God and they need to be connected to God's family. Amen? Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for this church. We thank you for all the years of fruitful ministry. Lord, we thank you that um, we are a family here at Hope Chapel and we need to learn to be even more family and we need to invite more people into our family. Lord, we thank you for the opportunities that you give us every single day. Sometimes they pass us by and we don't take advantage of them. Lord, I pray that we would begin to take advantage of every opportunity that you give us, Lord, to connect people to you and to connect people to your family. I pray that we ourselves would model that, that we would live the life, Lord, that we're constantly wanting to be connected to you as we, we dig into our word, as we, as we keep coming to church, as we learn to worship just unashamed, Lord, as we just honor you and remember you through communion, through just the way we live our lives, Lord, through our speech, through the words that come out of our mouths, help, help us to connect with you and not to connect with this world, Lord. Help us to represent you well to other people. Lord, there is a world of people that are out there and they're in darkness. No matter how we live our lives, Lord, we can't ignore that fact that people are going to hell. And it's a sad thing and it's a scary thing. But Lord, we have the opportunity to do something about that. I pray, Father God, that you would light a fire in us as a church to be a place, to be a people group that would be always trying our best to turn the light on in people's darkness, to introduce them to you, to bring them into the family of God that is so good, that binds us all together, that meets our needs, and that, that just encourages us and brings accountability.